Hey, well, good morning, everyone, wherever you may be, uh, hopefully in your living room, maybe with a nice warm cup of coffee. We're so glad you chose to join us this morning. We're so excited. We're starting actually a brand new series today. We're calling this series Slip of the Tongue. And the reason for a series like this right now is you may have noticed that quarantine kind of has a way of magnifying the frustrations that family members can have with one another. And so the result of that, you know, can be lots of carelessly spoken words, maybe even hateful or hurtful words. And so we just want to take a couple of weeks together and think about the power, you know, of our words. Uh, consider this, the first job that God gave human beings was to speak a word over something that God had made. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, uh, God invites uh, Adam to name each animals and whatever animal, whatever it was that Adam named that animal, that was its name, right? So Adam's job was to speak a word and whatever he spoke stuck. The words that you speak stick. They hang around. So good words hang around in life-giving ways, right, that produce healthy relationships of appreciation and love. Carelessly spoken words, however, wound and fester, slowly poisoning and sometimes even ending uh, relationships. So let me do this. Let me just ask, how many of you have ever gotten in trouble for something that you said? Sure, all of us would probably have to raise our head. How many minutes ago was that? Yeah, probably not very long. Some of us probably got in trouble this morning already for something that we said, right? How many of you have ever been hurt by something that someone else said? Yeah, again, I think every hand is going to go up, right? How many of you have ever been surprised by something hateful or hurtful that you just said in a moment? You know, you weren't planning to say it and you're just shocked. Where did that come from and we're actually going to talk about where that comes from here in a little bit don't you wish that your mouth came with buttons like maybe this button would work for example like one where you can push pause uh, man that would be awesome when it came to our mouths or some of us would benefit from this one as well. Here's another button would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, rewind. If we could just rewind what we said and start over. Uh, but again, we've already noted words stick, right? And so we want to be aware of that. Now, uh, today we're going to talk, what we're going to be talking about is so practical. It's so applicable. And here's the thought in a nutshell. It's quick to listen, slow to speak quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, part of what it means to be a human being is we all want to be understood and heard, right? This is kind of a universal uh, need. Unfortunately, it's this very need, this very desire that can sometimes keep us from actually hearing and understanding what other people are saying. So we get into a discussion, we're more concerned about representing ourselves, maybe talking over somebody else, getting in the last word, the first word, and every word in between, right? And James steps into that and says, listen, this isn't the way that I want you to talk with one another. So I already mentioned for the next couple of weeks we're going to be in the book of James. James was the half-brother of Jesus. 
uh, James did not become a Christian until after the resurrection of Jesus. I think this is super important. Uh, It was the resurrection that convinced James that Jesus was the Son of God. And to just consider for a moment how powerful that is. Again, ask yourself the question, what would your brother have to do to convince you that he was the Son of God? Yeah, I mean, that's the point. James was convinced and it was the resurrection that did that. James is going to emerge as a leader and a pastor in the church at Jerusalem. And so he writes this book to the church there at Jerusalem. James would come to be known as James the Just. James the Just. So people knew that when James spoke into something, he was going to speak into that in a, in a good way, a healthy way, uh, a righteous way, right? And what, what many of you may not know about James is he's actually later going to be stoned to death for his faith. He's going to die uh, for his faith and trust in Jesus. We're going to pick up what James has to say in James chapter 1, verse 19. So he begins this way, Dear brothers, I just want to stop there make some observations he's making it clear he's speaking to the family of God right that those of us who are in the church and he's reminding us that in the church not only has God made us his sons and daughters but that the other thing that means is we've been made brothers and sisters that we are family together And this is why when people bail on the church or refuse to come to church, they aren't just bailing on a building, they're bailing on family. They're refusing to gather with their brothers and with their sisters. And so they're not just deserting a building, they're deserting their family. So he says, dear brothers, and then he goes on to say this, take note of this in other words what I'm about to say is really really important right you should be taking notes you're this is so important you might want to consider writing this down right take note of this and then he goes and says these words everyone now interestingly everyone here means literally everyone it means you it means me it means no one gets a pass on what James is about to say he says everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak quick to listen in other words before you do anything else in a conversation listen listen first speak later right the idea is be late the idea is could be even better said this way wait and then be late to speak right in other words he's saying be Be curious, ask questions, even when you're in a heated conversation. Uh, In other words, the more we listen, the more we learn, right? So James is saying that asking questions is almost always better than just stating our view. Now listen, if you're tuned in this morning and it's super important for you to be right Um, You know, and so the idea is, look, I know I'm right, I'm going to prove to you I'm right, and, um, and I won't let up until I've proven that to you. Listen, today's teaching is going to be so revolutionary for you, because the reality is you can be right, and you can write your way right out of a relationship. And so James is going to tell us this morning, it's relationships that matter, not your rightness, not my rightness. 
So he says, listen, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. And then he says, and slow to become angry. Now, this is both a result and a decision. In other words, if you're quick to listen, uh, you're less likely to get angry in the first place because curiosity has an odd way kind of keeping anger at bay. Now, the anger that James is referencing here is kind of a hasty decision that would hurt or harm a relationship, and it literally means quick to boil. So James is saying, listen, don't be slow in being uh, quick to boil, right? So super important. And here's why this strategy or these words of James are so important. Because here's what we know, that everything that everyone does makes sense to them. And it gets worse than that. Everything that everyone says makes sense to them as well. So when you catch yourself saying things like, well, I don't know why they would have done that, or I don't know why they would have said that, then who needs the education? Yeah, you and I do, right, when we say things like that. Well, how do you get an education? You ask questions. Because in their mind, they have a perfectly good reason, a perfectly good explanation for why they did that, why they said that, right? And so this requires curiosity and understanding about what they're saying. Uh, Stephen Covey, in his famous book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of the seven habits that he references is this one. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. Now, the reason I love this is because he's saying exactly the same thing that James is saying, only James said this first. In fact, James said it thousands of years before Stephen Covey ever came under the, on the scene. And James said this under the inspiration and the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God, right? So James is just saying essentially, look, we're foolish when we get angry at someone else if we don't even understand what it is that they're saying. Now, listen, it would be worth it right now if we packed up and just did a little bit more worship and went home. I mean, the teaching is so practical, right? But it's about to even get better. Uh, he, so why should we? He's going to essentially answer the question, why should we be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become anger? Is it because, well, hey, you know, I'll be calmer, or I'll be more convincing if I'm calmer? Well, no, that's not why, right? Here's why he says we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. You know what James is saying here? He's saying there's three agendas in every conversation that you have. There is your agenda. There's the agenda of the person that you're in a conversation with, right? But then there's God's agenda. Uh, and it, what, what he's saying here is, look, neither of your rights, when it's your agenda versus someone else's agenda, neither of your rights are right right? Anger, in this case, is just simply not getting something that I want or think I deserve or need 
from another person, right? And so a posture of, hey, I'm right, I want you to know that I'm right, I'm going to prove that I'm right, is never, ever pleasing to God. Your rightness is not the righteousness that God is after. Listen, God doesn't come to take sides. God has come into my life and into your life to take over. And that means his agenda needs to be at the center of every conversation that I have. In other words, God, God would say this, you want to be right at each other, but it's far more important to me that you be right with each other. Listen, God doesn't care that I'm right or that you're right. He's not impressed with my rightness or with the fact that I can win an argument. Especially when I win an argument at the expense of a relationship. James would say, listen, you can be right, but when that happens at the expense of a relationship that you have with someone else, that is so, so wrong. That does not bring about the kind of righteous life that God desires. You know what James is saying, parents? He's saying you can be right and you can write your kids right out the door. That's what he's saying. You know, Jesus gave one command that is the overarching commandment for everything else that would follow uh, in the New Testament for Christianity. And here's what Jesus said. He said, love one another as I have loved you. He didn't say love one another the way you want to be loved. I mean, that's a pretty high bar already, but he raises it. He says, no, I want you to love other people the way that Jesus has loved you, right? And what, what we need to remember is Jesus did not come primarily to be right. He came to demonstrate his love. His goal wasn't to be right. His goal was to reconcile you and I to God our Heavenly Father and reconcile us to one another. So that kind of worship, those kinds of relationships are both horizontal and vertical right and so James is just making the the point based on the teaching of Jesus that nobody wins an argument if a relationship is the casualty and so James goes on he says therefore get rid of all moral filth now it's interesting when you read through these verses it's easy to think that James is shifting gears here uh, that is not the case. He is only elaborating on what he has just said. Get rid is the word that you might use for taking off a coat and putting it away, right? He's saying get rid of self-rightness. In other words, this idea is morally filthy to God when we say I've always got to be right, because that can quickly become a moral issue, right? Self-rightness, pride, is moral filth to our God. And one of the reasons for that is because words always escalate, right? The need to be right, our rightness, you know, causes us to speak over the other person, yell harder or louder than them, to need to get in the last word, and on and on and on. And uh, pride is simply this. Pride is an attitude that would say, it is all about me and for me. Therefore, I will do whatever I have to do to prove that I am right. Uh, and it's important to understand 
that the words that you and I speak, they flow out of some place. Our words aren't arbitrary. Uh, they flow out of something. And Jesus tells us exactly what that is. This is Luke 6.45, and I want you to listen to what Jesus teaches about this. He says, you know, a good person produces good things from the treasury or the storehouse of a good heart. And then he says, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury or the storehouse of an evil heart. And then he gets very, very clear. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Right? They flow out of our heart. My, I'm only saying what's already in me. Now, heart here is not a reference to feelings. Super important to understand that. The, the scriptures use the word heart a little differently than you and I do in our culture. Uh, your heart is at the center of who you are. According to the scripture, it includes your will, your intellect, your heart decides. Your heart is what kind of makes you, you. you it, it thinks. So in the way that we think of the mind, um, the scriptures talk about the heart, right? And so it's so funny, isn't it, when we get into an argument with someone? We tend to think that it's the other person who's making me say the things that I'm saying. In other words, I'm saying them because, well, they did something or they said something, and so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's why I'm saying these hateful or hurtful words. It's why this venom, you know, is coming out of my mouth. And Jesus would say, no, listen, it's not because of him. It's not because of her. The reason you're saying those things is because they're in there. So what that means is that we have, to, we have to become men and women that regularly offer our hearts up to Jesus, right? That we have to ask Him to renew our hearts, to soften our hearts, to, uh, yeah, to change our hearts. So what we want to do now, we're just going to take a moment and we're going to kind of hit the pause button. And we're just going to worship and ask God to take our hearts. Um, you know, because again, our words are just flowing out of what is already in our hearts. Now you go, well, how do you do that? Well, we just do that through spiritual growth. And, we're gonna, and James is even going to give us another uh, kind of hint in just a few moments. But for now, let's just think about what's going on in our hearts, what's happening in our hearts and then offer that up to Jesus and ask him to change it, to renew it, to transform it. So let's worship together. Hey, I want to introduce you to a couple. Uh, I'd like you to meet uh, Mr. and Mrs. Mug. Now, like a lot of couples, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Mug, you know, they have some uh, misunderstandings, some disagreements, and from time to time they get into uh, heated arguments with one another, like most couples do, right? Uh, but what's so interesting about Mr. and Mrs. Mug when they sit down and argue is that Mr. Mug thinks that when they uh, come together and they begin to clash with one another and stuff starts to spill out, right, and stuff's all over the place, Mr. Mug thinks that that hateful, hurtful stuff that's flowing out of him is Mrs. Mug's fault because he's only saying those things because of what she did, 
you know, or the attitude that she had. But Mrs. Mug has a completely different take. She thinks that all that stuff that's flying out of her, all that, those hurtful and hateful things, are Mr. Mug's fault. That she's only saying those things because of something that he said or something that he did. And so then what Jesus does is Jesus comes along. And remember we said earlier that Jesus doesn't come to take sides. Jesus comes to take over. So he looks at Mr. Mug and he looks at Mrs. Mug and he says, no, what you're saying isn't his fault. It's not her fault. You're just saying those things because they're in you. They're coming out of you. They would never have spilled out of you in the first place if they weren't in there. See, because Jesus didn't come to take sides. Jesus came to take over. And it's so important that we offer our hearts up to him every day because he's the only one that can you know change and transform what's in there Uh, self-help won't do that for you a good book won't do that for you only our Jesus can do that for you so James so James says to us right listen I, I want you not only to uh to take off the desires that that are in you but I want you to take off the evil he says that is so prevalent now the word evil here is actually the word malice so he's saying look I want you to take off malice or a desire to harm someone or a desire to get even with them to have your way uh, at the expense of someone else he says look you've got to take that off and I want you to put something else on what is it that he wants us to put on let's take a look he says you must humbly accept the word that's been planted in you which is able to save your souls so he's saying look I want you to take off the desire to be right the need to be right pride and I want you to put on humility it's humility that will enable you um, to take in the, the word which can save you, right? Now, humility is the, the polar opposite of pride. Humility says, look, we are more important than me. You are more important than me. Being right with you is more important to me than being right at you or over you or having my way. And James makes it clear that the reason that humility is so important is because it allows us to receive the word that God has planted in us. Now, what word? Well, I think it means two things here. Certainly, it means the gospel or the good news of Jesus that he died, was buried, and then resurrected, right, uh, for the forgiveness of our sins to bring us into a right relationship with God. I think that's part of what James is saying, but I don't think that's all. I also think he's talking about the word that he's just spoken, the word that he's planting in them this very instance. He's saying, listen, humility is what will allow this to take root in your life so take off that pride put on the humility right and then he says that the word of God in this case has the power to save us now this certainly means eternal life in fact James uses the word souls here he says that the word has the power to save our soul so that's certainly eternal life but this word can also be used 
and, and I think it is used in this sense here, in the sense of save you, not tomorrow, but save you now, save you today, save your marriage, save your friendship, save your job, save you from divorce, save you from prison, save your relationship with your son or your daughter. So he's saying, look, we have to take off pride, put on humility, and then he's going to say something so important. He's going to say, listen, it's doing, it's the application of what I'm saying that makes all the difference. Now, last week, you may remember, we talked about how important it is to have lives that are centered on Scripture, and that what that looked like for us was that we were going to hold the Bible above us as our authority as we help everyone understand and apply it. In other words, we want people to be not just hearers of the Word, we want them to be doers of the word but here's what's so amazing the context for that word is in relation to our tongues the words that we say because the very next thing that James is going to say is this James 1 don't merely listen to the word in other words don't just listen to what I'm telling you right now and uh, think that that somehow makes you a better person no because you'll just deceive yourselves right instead he says do what it says do what I just asked you to do you can hear a hundred sermons on the power of the tongue but if you don't begin to apply them in your life those sermons are worthless and empty in fact he's going to say that very thing in a few more verses look at James chapter 1 verse 26 he says if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a, a tight rein on his tongue and he uses the same word he used back when he told us to be doers of the word he deceives himself and his religion is worthless now this is so interesting because James tells us it's possible to come to church or to hear a church service from my living room right to maybe sing a song maybe to even respond and click and give online um, but that ultimately, if we're not putting into practice what we've just heard today, that our religion, all of that is just a religious exercise that has no ultimate meaning or purpose. In fact, the word meaningless here means empty, useless. So uh, what, he, what James is saying, look, is, is if we don't have a religion that impacts our tongue, impacts the things that we say, we have no religion at all. Or maybe only the bad kind, right? So here's what James is saying. He's saying, look, don't settle for being right. Make sure your relationships are right. Make sure that you're loving other people in exactly the same way that Jesus has loved you and Jesus did not come to be right. He came to make a way between God and me, God and you, God and us, right? And listen, when we talk about being quick to listen and slow to speak, this is exactly, and slow to become angry, this is exactly what Jesus 
did for you and for me. Think about this. Jesus wasn't born a teacher. He wasn't born a talker. How did Jesus come? He was born a baby in a crib, speechless. He didn't come and do a lot of talking. All that Jesus could do was listen, right? And in fact, Jesus doesn't begin his public ministry until he's 30 years old. Which means that for the first 30 years of his life, Jesus did a lot of listening and a lot of understanding. I mean, he just lived. He experienced life. He paid attention, right? And then, after 30 years, he spoke. And when he did, people listened. I mean, people who were nothing like Jesus actually liked Jesus, And I think one of the reasons for that was because he spent so much time listening and understanding before he launched into the public phase of his ministry, right? And and because people who were nothing like Jesus actually liked Jesus when they heard him speak, they wanted to follow him. They wanted to They wanted to be where he was, go where he went, say what he said. Friends, that's our calling. That's our mission today as well, right? And only Jesus can purify and transform what's on the inside, right? We've already said self-help books, they can't do that. But Jesus can because Jesus, his words cut deep. His hands probe deep. And so it's only through an ongoing relationship with himself, with him, that our hearts change and therefore our words change. So you need him. So here's what I want to invite you to do. We're going to respond together today. Uh, You're going to notice in the chat bar uh, there that um, you can click a link for next steps. We've reworked this a little bit this week. Um, we're actually redirecting uh, you to a brand new website that we've put up for church insiders that really lists every possible next step that you could want or imagine. That new website is actually called insidescc.org. And so if you want prayer, Click that link in the chat bar, you'll be redirected, and you can click that you'd like prayer. If you'd like prayer with a pastor, or you'd like a pastor to call you, you can click uh, further as well. You can also click on several next steps. If you'd like to be baptized, you can click on that. If you'd like to give, you can do that as well. If you want to hear or watch messages, older messages, last week's message from that location, you can do that as well. But we think you're going to really like the new look and the simplicity, kind of the elegance of just being able uh, to respond to what we've said together today. So as you're doing that and you're kind of looking at what's available there, we want to invite you. Um, So Brandon and our team, they're going to sing a response song, and you need to understand that the song that they're singing is just scripture. 
It's Psalm 46. And so some of you might want to actually open up your Bibles. Uh, you know, remember that the Psalms were Israel's hymn book. And so if you open up your Bible to Psalm 46, you'll be able to read along as Brandon and the team sing these beautiful, amazing words. So let's just respond together with the Word of God in song. 